You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts, so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. This is the Yanks Go Yard Podcast with Adam Weinrib and Thomas Carinante. Welcome to a Monday edition of the Yanks Go Yard Podcast. I'm Adam Weinrib alongside Thomas Carinante, and I heard they shot down the Chinese spy balloon, but launching Frankie Montas at it might not have been the most effective way to get that done. Luis Severino is out of the World Baseball Classic per Brian Cashman's request. That should make him happy after everything last year also made him happy. Michael King decided to take a crack at the Houston Astros. And we know from talking to Astros fans online that maybe they're not the best batch of bees to rile up with a stick considering they have lost their goddamn minds. The only MLB franchise that does not enjoy winning championships. I don't think they've thought about the championship they won in October, in November, technically, since they won it. Instead, it was right back into defense, attack, attack, go find other fans from other fan bases talking about you, go find other fans from other fan bases not talking about you, and go after them. That's all the Astros do. Uh, and Michael King decided to rile them up, so thanks, Michael. But he also confirmed something that we all thought we knew about the Yankees' 2022 season, and we're glad that he did. Plus, the Frankie Montas business, is he out for the season with shoulder issues? Is he having shoulder surgery? Who to believe, what to believe, and who can criticize the Brian Cashman-Frankie Montas trade from last summer? Plus, Brian Cashman still doesn't get it, by the way. Brian Cashman spoke again about Yankee fans being upset with last year's outcome, and uh, he clearly does not understand where the animus comes from. We're going to talk about a whole bunch of things that make us angry and seem to make you angry as well, based on your reaction to the information being presented to you this weekend. Uh, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast, any and all platforms. We will be there. If you like a side platform, if you're on an Apple Podcast guy or girl, you like uh, something with an interesting overcasts, you know, pod tube, whatever it is, wherever you get your podcast, we'll be there because we're on all the major platforms. Also, find us streaming live on YouTube Mondays and Thursdays, 2 o'clock Eastern time. If you missed the live stream, you can always catch the audio feed on the back end. Thomas Carinante, welcome to the podcast. Not sure what you want to cover first, because I don't know what makes you the most annoyed, but there's a lot, there's a lot going on this weekend. Yeah, for once, um, not really anything that we want to talk about, but first, I'll thank the listeners for being here. The followers, the readers, all of you. We'll start this off on a positive note before we go a little bit klepto here. Um, I guess let's start with Severino mm -hmm. because this is big and this is kind of gonna probably spell the end of his Yankees career. And it's best to just try acknowledge it as early as we possibly can. Um, and it's not, it's not like he's the only guy who is being held out of the world baseball yeah. classic against his will. Uh, teams have the right to do this. Mm -hmm. The Mariners pulled uh, Luis Castillo, who's also yep. nursing an injury. And Jerry DePoto kind of gleefully smiled at the press conference. and was like, yeah, it was a mutual decision. We took him out. You could tell he was like, no, it wasn't. We, we exerted our force. We unilaterally took him out of the World Baseball Classic. And pitchers specifically, you, your guy is going to have to really want to pitch yeah. and be completely clean bill of health. For any GM or a group of executives to want him to go because they're reporting early. They're putting high stress pitches on their arm a month earlier than they ever would have. And uh, Luis Severino does not have the cleanest track record. And this is not the first instance of Brian Cashman saying we're going to pull back the reins here a little bit. But it matters because it's him. 
course. Th these are October innings in March. That's that's just what it comes down to. Uh, it's tough. I, look, I think we've talked about it at length too. I, I don't know if Clayton Kershaw pitching for Team USA is the greatest idea for the Dodgers. Clayton it's like Kershaw, the worst. It's maybe the worst he, idea. Yeah, he hasn't been healthy since 2015. Um, I I love Clayton Kershaw. I want to watch him uh, pitch 30 starts in a season. I haven't seen it in seven years. Um, so it, it's difficult and it's tough. Especially, I think it's even tougher for um, uh, foreign players because they're playing in the United States for a majority of the year. This is where most of their, you know, uh, most of their fan support comes from. Um, and they're longing to probably give back to their home country and entertain their fans in some way, you know, give back to their community where they came from and, and, and play for their country, all, you know, the obvious intrinsic things that go into this. Um, but it's not great timing for when the baseball season ramps up and especially for pitchers, um, someone like Luis Severino, you're right. This is not the first thing, the lat injury from last season, which the Yankees, made the move to put him on the 60-day IL. We don't know if that was the right decision or not. Luis Severino was upset about it. Brian Cashman insisted that that was the right move, given his injury history over the last few years. I think he made seven or eight starts in between 2019 and 2021. Um, and look, I'm a player-first guy here. I think they should be able to make the choices ultimately, but I don't know if Luis Severino has earned that right since his time with the Yankees. He's withheld injury information from them he forgot the start time of a playoff game uh these are unforgivable things and unacceptable things for a professional baseball player um and i hope that those were honest mistakes i really do but when you're looking at it from a track record perspective and you have that evidence in front of you and the fact it's all even more sour too right because the yankees signed him to an extension they guaranteed all of his arbitration years they could have got away with a non-tender here in his, you know, Tommy John year. I don't know if they would have maybe had the balls to do that, but if they were looking to save money before the the, the COVID-shortened season, they, they could have really made it happen. Um, I know Severino's kind of been viewed as maybe the eight, the future ace of the Yankees staff, and then they went out and got Garrett Cole, and the Yankees probably sat there and said, great, now we have two aces. One is super cost-controlled. The other one's costing us an arm and a leg, but – this is worth it. Divide it by two. It's like you have two really good starters on the payroll uh, from a from a contract uh, perspective. But I don't know if this is going to help the relationship between Severino and the Yankees, especially with how he felt that he was held back last year when he didn't think he needed those full two months on the IL. He pitched well when he came back. He pitched well last year. It was great to watch him pitch and come back and be his fire-breathing self, but if the Yankees are going to get the most out of this contract, if he's going to resurrect and kind of repair his reputation with the Yankees, it all starts with an all-star caliber 2023. And I don't know if he'd be able to accomplish that if he pitches high stress innings this early without a proper ramp up. And even with a proper ramp up, putting that stress on your arm that early, we've seen plenty of pitchers who have had trouble getting off to good starts during the season or getting to a point where they feel comfortable with their arm strength. Um, and Severino based on his health since 2018, um, the end of 2018 has not been in a position to do that. So I think the Yankees are playing it smart here. I think it's ultimately the right decision, but you look at the future, he's a free agent after 2023. I don't see any reason why he would want to be back here. Um, I wouldn't want to be back here. Um, whether it was my fault or whether it was the team's fault, it's clearly that something's not working out, but uh, I, at some point you have to understand that this was the inevitable decision the Yankees were going to make. If you're Luis Severino, I, it, probably like you, you can't think that there was anything else that they were going to say. It's the pattern of behavior. I mean, yeah. yeah, you, you can't have, it would have taken a big deviation from the norm for them to be like, you're all clear. Yeah. Enjoy, uh, Enjoy three six-inning starts before your throwing program officially launches. And then come on back to Yankee Spring Training Camp in the middle of March. Like, we would have been mad. We would have been mad if they said he could pitch. Let's be the honest. The Dominican Republic team is going to make the finals, too. The lineup is stupid. Yeah. The rotation is stupid. Like, th that team's going to be in the World Baseball Classic the entire time. So that's like March 23rd he leaves and comes back to the Yankees camp. And opening day is March 30th. So he basically wouldn't be in the Yankees' plans. Yeah. For two weeks or so, they they would like count him 
the same way they count when they skip a fifth starter, when they just don't name one and they're yeah. like, well, we'll leave some guy in the minors. Like it's the same thing. Uh, last year he comes back from severe injury issues uh, in both 2019 and 2020, which never happened in 2021. He's got a shoulder issue that keeps him out of the majority of 2019. He comes back in September as a reliever. He comes back for the playoffs and gets a couple of starts. They're short. They're exciting. There are moments. He pitches in and out of trouble in Minnesota, but can't do the same at home against Houston. Another disappointing small sample size postseason. And we'll get to that. Uh, then he has Tommy John surgery early in 2020. He's knocked out till the middle of 2021. He comes back. It looks like he tears his groin off the bone in a rehab start in that. Brooklyn. Don't forget that. He like can't walk after a very normal delivery. It turns out to not be that bad, but then he gets another shot, goes to Scranton, says his shoulder doesn't feel good, can't warm it up. We haven't seen real Luis Severino from 2018 to last year. Finally, we see him. He's fantastic when healthy, when healthy, 19 starts, 3.1 ADRA, 112 Ks and 102 innings, 1.00 right on the line whip. You can't ask for more from him, but that season comes with the lat injury, a low-grade lat strain that the Yankees look at, and probably it's a three-week injury, four if you're being really safe, and they decide we're going to put you on the 60-day IL, and Severino said he was, quote, not okay with that. Now, that's not something you say – if you're trying to maintain a healthy relationship yeah. with the front office, that's a line in the sand. That's a team saying, we know it's best for you. And him saying, I don't agree with you. Uh, it's not really easy to salvage that. <laughs> Adding in the no hitter he was pulled from when he reached his pitch count in Texas, when yeah. he came back, that happens everywhere. That's not an atypical relationship. Uh, you know, Clayton Kershaw, we were talking about him earlier, got pulled out of a perfect game. The early part of last season in the freezing cold in Minnesota, then, of course, he gets injured a couple weeks later anyway. And everyone looks back at that and goes, see, he can't predict injury, so why not let him finish the perfect game? But Aaron Boone and Luis Severino are not the only manager off injured pitcher pairing that have to reevaluate that and go, I don't think we're going to let you go all the way in this no-hitter. But Severino did not take it well and said he was 1,000% going to finish it. That was the quote, 1,000%. He get to the postseason – he struggles through the postseason again, but he pitched well enough to win game three of the ALDS when Aaron Boone decided not to close with Clay Holmes, who this is a Boone decision that I still don't really understand the hate. I mean, I obviously kind of do because Clark Schmidt is not a closer and he was asked to close that game and he failed. So Captain Hindsight saying, where's your closer? But August and September, do you really trust Clay Holmes in that spot either? I certainly don't uh, trust him a little more than Clark Schmidt, but only a little bit after what we saw. Severino is very vocal in the wake of that saying, you know, I don't understand where was our closer. We needed to save. Where was he? Three examples last year, Severino, either being forced to do something against his will or speaking out against the front office or the man in the dugout who is an extension of the front office. And then you tape this onto it. Uh, Severino not allowed to pitch in the WBC. It's the right call. He had to have expected it, but it's the fourth strike within the last calendar year severino in the postseason 11 career games 10 career starts one of which he didn't know the start of the game against the red sox one in four 5.15 era or was that the twins uh what was that the twins game where he forgot the start time no is the 2018 alds it was know. okay uh either way unforgivable Pitched solidly against the Twins on the road in 2019. And yes, I know that one of these postseasons was after he beefed up his shoulder, right? Yeah. So, and he's going like three innings. So, I'm not saying I expect him to go seven, eight. But that being said, 11 postseason outings, 10 postseason starts. The postseason is always going to be a small sample size, and any pitcher can always correct it. But Severino has a 5.15 ERA and 43 and two thirds postseason innings with a 1.51 whip. That whip is awful. Uh, so yeah, his next postseason start could be eight shutout. I, I know, I totally understand, but we got a lot of data there saying he's not an elite postseason pitcher at this point. Uh, it happens to the best of us, but it's happening to him. He got his Tommy John out of the way early. Hopefully, his shoulder is all right. He is still just 28 years old, and all of that adds up to someone is going to pay him a lot of money this offseason. Hundred, yeah, hundred ten million dollars, ninety million dollars over. Four years, 90. Does that feel right? Five years, 110. I mean, the Yankees weren't going to pay him 
unless they got a significant discount. Now the relationship feels fractured and the estimated next contract only furthers that and underscores it because they're mm-hmm. not paying anywhere close to $100 million. And I think he could get that on the open market. So uh, I guess they're done messing around, but they need him this season. I guess they're banking on the fact that he needs himself this season too, because he wants to go into free agency with a head of steam or as much as steam as he could possibly work up. Uh, and he will not be a Yankee after this season. I think that's pretty safe and secure. Yeah, they need each other this year, whether they like one another or not. And look, the fact of the matter is the Yankees signed Carlos Rodon for a reason. Now they have stability atop the rotation with Cole, Rodon, and Nestor for the next however long. It's 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 a it's a decent while. It's probably four years, I think, if we're talking about Nestor's team control. Um, so if I were you, I'd start looking ahead to next year's free agency class, figure out who's going to be at the back end of the rotation. Montas is going to be gone. Severino is going to be gone. Um, I don't know if they'll be able to afford someone like Lucas Giolito or someone like Aaron Nola, or do we want Blake Snell in the back end of the rotation? Uh, I don't know. Maybe I, I would, I would do something like that. Uh, Tyler Molly. I sure. Um, Julio Urias. We're not going to be able to afford him, but there are a lot of options next off season. And I think the Yankees at this point are willing to willing to see what happens and they know that Severino needs to win this year in order for himself to succeed and get the probably the last big contract of his career just based on his ability to stay healthy and whatnot. I don't know if he'll be able to stay healthy into his 30s. Um, speaking of staying healthy, Frankie Montas can't. And I don't know how the Yankees didn't know this. Uh, big discussion on Yankees Twitter, folks. We got everyone riled up. This was confusing. This was confusing to me, and I don't want to talk about this too, too much. Uh, but the topic, yeah, well, I'll let you. Well, okay, hold on. So basically, all I really want to say here is that uh, a lot of discourse about, uh, you know, was this a good trade? Uh, who's, you know, who's judging Montas? And, and there was a lot of weird. The discourse I found weirdest was people saying, "What? Who and who cannot judge the Frankie Montas trade?" Uh, you know, you had to be on the right side of history when he was traded. You had to say, uh, you know, I didn't like this way back in the day in order to have the right to say now that this is a bad trade. I don't think there's any expiration date on who can and cannot blast a trade. And I also don't think there's any, I think if you called it, if you called it last summer, I don't like this. I don't like the smell of this. Then you get to take two victory laps, right? You get to be, mm-hmm. you're super right. Congrats to you if you had it last summer that I actually don't like this from the jump and uh, I'm not going to be making any retroactive decisions. But now that I've I've seen (laughs) the outcome, I don't really need to see what Ken Waldachuk and J.P. Sears do to know that they probably would have been used better uh, on a different acquisition target. Someone who doesn't come with a shoulder issue, someone who Brian Cashman's medical staff doesn't sign off on knowing full well that there's something under the hood. And then lo and behold, it gets worse. A lot of people saying, you know, what if the shoulder got, what if it worsened after the trade? Of course it did. That's exactly what happened. But the damage had already been done. Like the chip had already been knocked off of the bone and then it further disintegrated over time. Uh, But the the part of the discourse, people trying to police who can and cannot uh, judge the Frankie Montas deal was so weird to me. And I think let it be known that you, you know, if if we uh, are going to ascribe to this theory of who can and cannot blast this, you last year when the trade went down had this. Montas certainly alleviates. This is a quote from you. Montas certainly alleviates some concerns regarding New York's rotation moving forward. But is this going to be enough to get over the postseason hump? There are the concerns. Montas has appeared in just five and two thirds postseason innings, logging a nine point five three ERA and one point seven seven WHIP giving up one run across two frames against the White Sox in the 2020 AL wildcard game and five runs in three and two-thirds innings against the Astros in the 2020 ALDS. Plus, he just got done dealing with a shoulder issue that saw him on the injured list for three weeks. Optimistic of you to say he just got done dealing with a shoulder issue, but still, you you got it. I mean, you, you had it. I, I can't really think of anything else that needed to be said at that point. Yeah. You didn't say this is a disaster in the making, but you no. expressed the right amount of skepticism about the Yankees acquiring somebody uh, who appeared to be to us damaged goods and who doesn't have the greatest tracker. The only thing that you didn't mention that you could have 
and that maybe you did further down in the piece is his home and away splits 3.39 yeah. ERA at home, 4.51 on the road career in 62 games. And that was, that was well known at the time. That was the most surface level information. Uh, and so surface level to the point that obviously uh, folks, Brian Cashman's info went beyond this. When, when trying to formulate Brian Cashman wasn't scrolling the baseball reference page saying, Oh, it's a bad road ERA. Weird. Maybe we should have second thoughts. But the fact that we knew this already means that uh, there was some degree of skepticism baked into the trade. And a common point that was brought up this weekend was that uh, every Yankee fan was happy with the trade when it went down, whether that's true or not, it's not plenty weren't. It's not Brian Cashman's job to make the fans happy. It's Brian Cashman's job to make the New York Yankees better. I think this this trade probably had near universal fan approval at the time, but it's Brian Cashman's job to go deeper than that, no more than we do, and make the right decision to make the roster better moving forward. If his sole goal is to make Yankee fans happy and, oh, it's actually fine that this trade turned out poorly because fans were happy and had no way of knowing, everybody had a way of knowing, and Brian Cashman should have the most knowledge base of anybody here. Of course. The, the the thing that bothered me was the Captain Hindsight comments. It's like nobody there. This this trade was not universally lauded as something that that was incredible or had uh, unbelievable foresight. The market for starting pitching was limited. The Yankees tried to go for Luis Castillo and the asking price was too high. If I'm being honest there, I was upset that we didn't get Luis Castillo. I really wanted him. However, I think Anthony Volpe as the ask as the return price there is too much. Um, and it's not worth it, especially because you don't know if Luis Castillo wanted to pitch here. Yes. Now that he signed an extension in Seattle, you might say, Oh, why couldn't we have done that? We don't know if the Yankees could have done that. We don't know if they would have wanted to do it. So there were two choices. It was go after Castillo, which Cashman was trying to do and wasn't unable to do because the Mariners outbid everybody by, a million miles and the Yankees were not going to fall victim to them doing that. Um, and then there was the consolation prize of Montas, which was fine. Get Montas, see what happens. Great. But at the same time, you traded a decent amount of prospects for him, whether they pan out or not is we'll find out in a year or two. Um, the early returns on that for us are good, but also who would you rather have a bunch of prospects that you can fix and maybe revive and have contribute to your team or some guy who was bad injured and now still injured and is going to miss time and might be dealing with this injury throughout an entire season in which you were hoping he would be the, the, the rotation deepener that you were hoping for um, to get through the entire season and then have a really, really good postseason rotation and bullpen, whatever. So um, the, 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 the two things here are that this, nobody was, ex, no, nobody was overly excited about this trade. In fact, the entire trade deadline was viewed very unfavorably based on everything that had happened. And we'll get to that in a minute. Cause Michael King made a comment on that, which pretty much confirmed what everybody was talking about. Um, but the bottom line here is that if you have medicals on somebody and you have deeper information than the armchair morons on Twitter, including us, then you don't make this deal. Even if you think the price is favorable, what, like, I don't, who is it? JP Sears, Ken Waldachuk and, and, and Luis Medina. And then you add Lou Trevino in on the other side. So yeah. Lou Trevino might end up affecting the Yankees more than Frankie Montas. Oh, of course. I mean, Lou Trevino was great. I think he was one of our, I think he was, he was arguably, the most valuable bullpen arm down the stretch after Michael King went down. Cause Lucha Greeno was very versatile. Um, he was able to go in in various situations um, and he was the healthiest across the way. He had Wandy Peralta dealing with some health issues slash giving up a ton of walk-offs. Uh, uh, Clay Holmes fell off a cliff. Uh, Michael King went down. Um, uh, Jonathan Lewisaga, yes, had a great August and a, and a really good September, but his beginning of the season was really, really bad. Um, so yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, getting Trevino there is going to make up for this deal. But Montas, you want to talk about the other ripple effects here. The Yankees don't want to go over the Steve Cohen tax, right? I don't blame them for that. You don't need you don't need to spend $320, $350 million to have a good roster. But Frankie Montas is making that fan service stuff, right? We're, exactly. talking about, we're talking about the Montas trade made fans happy. Like, yeah. you don't need to spend $345 million out of nowhere this year to be competitive. No. 
Absolutely not. I like what the Mets are doing. I think it's cool. I don't think you need to do that. But if you want to do that, great, go ahead and do it. Montas is making almost $8 million this year. So he is the reason why maybe you were unable to sign a left fielder. He's maybe the reason you were unable to add another bullpen arm or two. If you, if you really want to boil it down and look at the numbers, I know there's a million other things the Yankees could do. I know they can easily go over the tax, but if they have these self-imposed restrictions and you're going to look back at all the moves that they made, remember the Yankees make moves and then they don't make good on the moves that go bad. We're looking at Aaron Hicks right now. They refusal to get rid of Aaron Hicks. You have Joey Gallo who they ended up, they, they ended up making good on that, but you know, people wanted him gone in the offseason. That's how bad he was in the second half of 2021. You have um, Josh Donaldson. We're still I, – I know it's been one season, and I know it's hard to get rid of him, but the Yankees are not making the necessary consent. You even have IKF, who you could have just non-tendered and saved $6 million and figured something else out, and they didn't want to do that either. So they stand by their decisions, and this is ine- this inevitably has to be one of them because Montas is on the books. We don't know how much time he's going to miss, but the projection of probably the first month of the season isn't great because then you're going to have to think that he's going to need another month to revamp. And then you're going to get, and then you have to cross your fingers that he stays healthy for the next four months after coming off this shoulder ailment that's now affected him up, up until that point when he's back and fully healthy will be a full year. So yeah, I mean, if the fans were happy about this being the deadline capper um, as uh, kind of the, the cherry on top of deepening the rotation and, and ensuring yourself for the postseason. That's great. Like, I think that was the goal here, but it goes much deeper than that. You traded assets for somebody who may not be available. You traded for somebody who may have a, a serious shoulder injury that's going to prevent him from pitching. So whether you were, when we were, there was no over happiness over here about it. So I don't know where you're reading that. We had the same argument with the fans about John Carlos did. And I, previously before the middle of last year was very unhappy with John Carlos Stanton's tenure here. Yeah. He had a great 2018. Um, and then he dominated in the 2020 postseason, but otherwise he's been injured. And then when he's was added into the lineup um, to, as a main fixture, he's unable to play defense or he struck out far too many times, or he was unable to add that, um, that constant threat alongside Aaron judge. And then he came around and then people were like, Oh, well, we're all the positive John Carlos Stanton articles. And I had to fucking sit there and go through the search bar on our website and pull up like six positive things that I wrote about him during his, and during his stretch. And then nobody said anything. I replied to one thread and just posted five link, five or six links. And then nobody said a fucking word. So you're clearly not reading anything. So, so start edu- go just search the articles and see what we've written instead of just jumping to conclusions and saying that we were not, we, we were happy about this trade, and now all of a sudden we're not happy. It wasn't the case at all. Everybody assumes that we think like them. If they were happy, yeah. then we must have been happy too. No, we yeah. were – I gave it a B plus. I just checked. Uh, you wrote there are reasons to be concerned. I said B plus. Forgive the conservative grade here, but Montas' recently barking shoulder looms large in the wake of Luis Severino hitting the 60-day IL and returning wow. in mid-September. Could not have nailed it more. That's the opening sentence. Um, bottom line, Brad Cashman should know more than we do. Uh, and if the shoulder was worrisome, <laughs> if the shoulder was worrisome, then he should know that. And maybe, maybe don't pull the trigger on a deal just to make fans happy, just so that fans in Twitter, fans on Twitter in mid-August say, "Great job, Brian Cashman!" Like, because now we have to pay the piper. I think the Yankees are in a, luckily in a spot here, and we don't know if he does need shoulder surgery or not. It's just a rumor. It's coming from uh, our boy, the Simon Eddie source, who. I don't really know much about him, but that he says he might need shoulder surgery. That's that's fine. Uh, so if he does, the Yankees have Carlos Rodon now. They're in a much better place. Frankie Montas is not being acquired to be Garrett Cole's caddy. He's not being acquired to be number three in a playoff series. He's going to be number five all season long whenever he pitches, if everyone's healthy. And that's a pretty special number five to have. The concerns are a lot less concerning when he is the fifth most important starter in your rotation. That said, uh, if you're trading those three assets for a bad bill of goods, it seems like the only reason now in retrospect that they got out of including Oswald Peraza is because he was injured when they got him. I yeah. saw that theory floated around a lot in the last couple of days. And I think that seems pretty Makes accurate. Sense. Brian Cashman can't pass up a bargain like that. It's why I'm oddly proud of Brian Cashman for not making a big splash move for a left fielder so far this off season. I am too. It's the same thing. It's the same thing. It's yep. uh you got to have patience here. 
And I don't like entering the season with Aaron Hicks in left field. I don't like entering the season with Oswaldo Cabrera, an infielder in left field. But there's nobody else out there other than Brian Reynolds, who I think undeniably makes this team better entering the regular season. So if Brian Cashman were to surrender assets for those people or cough up $16 million for Michael Brantley for one year, it's going to get fans clapping on Twitter in January and December. It's going to get them applauding for saying, he did it. He listened to us. He knows what we want. We want a left fielder and he got it. And then when that person is somewhat underwhelming or Brian Reynolds goes somewhere else or Ian Happ goes for a discount at the deadline, it's going to have those same people wondering why the Yankees already paid X amount of money to lock down a left fielder who wasn't as good as the option that changed hands in the middle of the season. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. Uh, so I think it's actually Cashman learning from his mistakes a little bit and not putting too many chips in on a left fielder he doesn't necessarily believe in just to make the fans on Twitter do claps like seals and cheer for these, you know, ooh, a move, a move. Or, or, or. Um, I, I was optimistic about Frankie Montas last year. I was hoping that he would be more of a factor. And it's going to go down as one of the worst, <laughs> one of the worst Yankees trades of all time. Yes. I mean, what, what more do you want from me? It's a, it's a horrific trade. Somebody did bring up the valid point, though, that it might not even be the worst trade of Brian Cashman's 2022, which is sadly accurate, but does not really reflect poorly on the point. What's the other one? Ethan <laughs> Donaldson is also pretty fucking bad. Yeah, that's bad, I guess. I mean, you didn't really give away any assets, though. I mean, I understand swapping Urshela and Donaldson was a problem, but yeah. Yeah, I guess so. Um, I don't know, man. I, I really don't. What, what do we do next? We we keep the deadline stuff going, or are we going right? You know, let's go into the deadline stuff, and then we'll go into cash. Yeah, I think I think that's important. I think it's the way to go. So, my, uh, Michael King appeared on MLB Network Radio this weekend, um, or something. I think it was that. Um, and uh, I don't know how the topic came up. We only got the snippet of it, but uh, talking about the Astros, whatever. Um, don't know why. Uh, I mean, I do know why. It's because we got our asses kicked against the Astros, and people are probably let's say, hey, let's see what the players think about this. Um, players are not happy about it. Why would you be? Um, but then Michael King decided to, you know, 
talk about how the Astros kind of have the Yankees number and this and that, but, but there was a button there and he said that he doesn't think the Astros have a chance against the Yankees when the Yankees are rolling. Mm-hmm. So no no you just gave these assholes more fuel, which you know they're going to use because, like you said, this is all they do. They wake it's up. all they do. They wake up. They scroll Yankees Twitter. They see if there's anybody to interact with. Uh, they're looking for tears. They're searching Twitter, Yankees tears, Yankees fan cry. And they're like, can I find any Yankees fans crying? And then EOD, they check the Astros roster to familiarize themselves with the names. They're like, that is before- yeah, that guy sounds familiar. Oh, Verlander's off the team now? Oh, that sucks. Uh, oh, we won the World Series last year. That oh, was so recent. Wow, I wish I remembered that. And then they go back to trolling Yankee fans. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a brutal existence for them. At this point, I feel bad, but, you know, they have the upper hand. They can enjoy themselves. Um, but that's not even – I'm ignoring that. I, we'll talk about that for one second. And then I'm gonna have I'm gonna make it go away because I'm gonna pretend like it never happened and that we don't have to deal with the fallout from that. What Michael King did say, oh well, first of all, when he said that, I left out the important part. When he said that the Astros have no chance when the Yankees are rolling at their best, um, the Yankees were rolling at their best when the Astros came to the Bronx in late June for a four-game set. Um, and though they split the series, the Yankees did not lead for a single inning. They won on two walk-offs and they were trailing heading into the ninth inning both times. Uh, yeah, they were trailing it, and then they won one in extras. So um, you are the hottest team. You're on pace to break the regular season all-time wins record, and the Astros come to town, and they do put up a fight. It's a road series. A split for them is a win if you're the road team playing against one of the hottest teams in baseball. And on and top of that – We didn't lead for any time. You didn't, we didn't lead for any regulation. We led no. twice when the game ended. That was it. Yeah. Out of 36 innings, that was it. At the end, and we got of, no hit. We got no hit yeah. in there, and no hit in one of the games. So, um, first of all, those. I mean, look, I uh, I hope there is uh, maybe a renewed sense of confidence among the Yankees as it pertains to the Astros. But that commentary from Michael King is is wrong. Um, the Yankees typically do have a tough time with the Astros, whether they're rolling or not. Um, But anyway, we're done. Like I said, we're done talking about that. Michael King did mention about the second half and how the team kind of stumbled. And he said that the trade deadline threw off the locker room and clubhouse. He said, we've said it a million times, but now somebody on the Yankees said this. And this is something that we suspected that a lot of fans had suspected for a while because the Yankees were what? 64 and 28 heading into the break. And then they were a 500 team after that. They were 30, they finished 35 and 35 and then were very underwhelming in the postseason. Um, you had August in which they went 10 and 18. You had multiple players uh, logging the worst months of their entire season. Glaber Torres, most notably, he batted 204 with a 464 OPS and a negative war in 25 games. Um, and then you look back on all this and you wonder why, how did the clubhouse get disrupted? What happened? Well, Glaber for one was dangled in trade talks. And that was something that was reported up until the deadline. And you have to imagine that that's something that maybe affected his psyche. You had, um, Joey Gallo getting shipped out. I understand that that needed to happen, but apparently he was somebody who, uh, was held in, I guess, higher regard in the clubhouse and locker room. I don't know. I would have traded Joey Gallo anyway, but guess what? You have other accompanying moves that that do this. You had, you know, the, you had the Frankie Montas trade, which is fine, but you got rid of someone like J.P. Sears, who had very good contributions um, with the Yankees uh, in the first half. I don't think that that had a bigger impact. But the biggest one probably is the Jordan Montgomery for Harrison Bader swap. At the time, catastrophic. And I don't think – look, and we'll backtrack on that. That was – at the time when that had happened, you if there was anybody sit, sitting there who said, oh, yeah, great deal, then you're lying to yourself because that didn't happen. You saw that come across your Twitter timeline, and you said, what the fuck? And you kept checking to see if that was an actual tweet from a verified person because the Yankees, whose rotation had already been struggling, had just placed Luis Severino on the 60-day IL, um, didn't or were about to, um, but either way, there was the, the Nestor Cortez had hit the IL at some point. Like there, there was very much kinks to get through. And you know, as a baseball fan, that a rotation of five starters is not enough to get through a season. You need six. The Yankees have previously said you need seven, 
when you get to the postseason, you need four very good ones, and then you need two guys who are ready to come in at a moment's notice to log multi-inning relief. So you trade Jordan Montgomery, who was having a great season um, for his standards and has been a, a very consistent Yankee over the last couple of years, um, for an outfielder who has barely played, is nursing a foot injury, and is not coming back until mid-September. Thankfully, the tables turned. Harrison Bader ended up probably being the most – uh, probably the biggest spark plug on the Yankees in the postseason um, with all the home runs that he hit and all the, uh, you know, rallies he was able to start. Obviously his error in the ALCS looms large and that hurt the Yankees big time. Um, but now we get a full season of him. And I think fans are very excited for that. Um, but you can't change the fact that um, getting rid of someone like Montgomery and having, you know, dangling someone like Glaber Torres in trade talks um, is not going to affect how the team plays. Um, wasn't there one other thing too? I feel like I'm missing one thing from that deadline. My trade deadline grades back up. I just, uh, yeah, there was something ben else. Intendi, ben Intendi. Ben Intendi. Oh, well, that was a good move. Um, I guess. Um, I don't think but... that disrupted anything. Scott Efros. Like, I don't think, uh, I don't think yeah. you know, Michael King is honoring around the locker room screaming about getting bullpen reinforcements. Yeah. This is probably <laughs> mostly about Jordan Montgomery. It's yeah, it's, I think it's Jordan Montgomery and I think it's the, the weight hanging on Glaber because those were the things that had to look Jordan Montgomery came out and he was not really happy about it. Um, so you, Michael King saying this, I think brings some validation to the fact that the Yankees were not themselves after the trade deadline, which had them lagging through August that had them cough up a division lead that seemed insurmountable. Um, and once again, you go back to pointing figures at the front office, because how could you not no finger on the pulse, no, uh, no instinct whatsoever with how the players are feeling or what they're like, is there any interaction between the players in the front office ever? Uh, it, it really feels like there isn't um, because to do something like to do two things like this, especially someone like someone like labor who was openly criticized um, uh, heading into the 2020 season or after the 2020 season. Um, and then, uh, in the middle of 2021 because of his ability at shortstop and the manner in which his bat fell off as a result of the poor defense and the fact that he wasn't in shape and whatever you're going to put the, you know, you're going to threaten his future with the team after, you know, putting him through all of that. Um, and then blindsiding a locker room in which a lot of the guys were apparently close with Jordan Montgomery, who was a homegrown Yankee with a deal like that, you know, like that wasn't any, that wasn't a blockbuster deal. You can't tell me like, at the last second, Brian Cashman was like, hey, yeah, we got this great, crazy opportunity to acquire Harrison Bader, who's injured, by the way. He's not playing. He hasn't played. And now the Cardinals are like, hey, um, you know, we don't need this guy anymore. He hasn't been playing in three months. So we figured, like, maybe we'd maybe we'd hit you up and see if you had any interest in a guy who, who can't play baseball right now. And I said, you know what? I can't pass up the opportunity. I need an injured center fielder and I need him right fucking now. And I need to trade a very good starting pitcher for him. So I just did it with Frankie Montas. I just got an injured number two starter. So I got to collect <laughs> another injured guy who will not appear on my team right away. So th th that was clearly in the works. If you uh, pay attention to how trades go down or how trades materialize, this was not out of left field. We're like, Oh, last second, Rockies are making Nolan Arenado available. Or, oh, man, uh, so-and-so is having a fire sale. They feel like they're out of contention. This was not one of those situations. So this was premeditated. Not only was it premeditated, or it seemed like it was premeditated, there was no warning. There was no warning, despite there was probably talks about this for days leading up to the deadline, depending on what else the Yankees, you know, what other uh, deals they were going to pull the trigger on. They got screwed out of the Pablo Lopez deal, which probably affected morale, too, because you end up losing a starter, replacing him with an injured starter, and then expecting you're going to get more reinforcement, and you don't. So, yeah, tell me that that trade deadline did not throw this entire locker room off. They thought they were getting Pablo Lopez, and I'm glad they didn't. But, yeah, the uh, team did nothing but get worse after the trade deadline for a long time. You want to talk about a team that the Astros can handle? The team uh, in late July that went to Houston, House of Horrors, where we just can't win. Yep, they handled us there. And the team after the trade deadline was not the same, never the same, not even close. Uh, didn't even get a look at the kids. Didn't even get Oswald Peraza in there. Oswaldo Cabrera had a great couple of weeks. Thank you for your service. Hope he plays the key role next year too. But got the worst of both worlds for the Yankees in the second half. Huge injuries. King, the bullpen getting decimated. Efros, Marinaccio, uh, not enough 
run for the youth and not enough Harrison Bader, quite frankly, and not enough pitching and no Pablo Lopez and bad Glaber, who was poisoned specifically by this trade deadline. So good to know that King felt the same way, right? That it's not just like Glaber, yeah. like, yeah, I was blindsided. Like, no, Michael King, who, uh, you know, seems to have his finger on the pulse and is not someone we've seen make wild fluctuations in either direction, was like, yeah, threw us off. Didn't like losing those guys. Didn't like uh, Jamison Tyone was clearly thrown off when Montgomery yeah. left the locker room early. He gutted it out. He's a pro. He did his job. Had his worst start of the year, though, the day after the Montgomery trade. He got blown out by Seattle, of course. Of course he did. Uh, great job by Brian Cashman, who we gave flowers to earlier in the show for standing pat in the left field chase, even though Brian Hook seems to think that the left fielder on opening day may not be on the roster right now, which would lead you to believe he's going to. Hoke gonna... does too? What? Hoke does too? Study, study. It was oh, I was going to say, if two of them are saying it, then we can get fucking excited. But one, no, I think, is fair. I, I think they're the same guy, even though they're clearly not the same guy. Uh, <laughs> but Brandon Cuddy said the left fielder is not on the roster. That makes you think, oh, Max Kepler, cool. Uh, but right now, kudos to Brian Cashman for standing pat. Uh, not kudos to Brian Cashman for saying this to Omar Minaya over dinner, uh, along with his son, Teddy, who uh, I guess I also have beef with now. Teddy, speak up to your father when he says things like this. Cashman went on a rant about how he doesn't understand why Yankee fans were so upset about last offseason and the way that the end of the season transpired, the way that they lost a series to the Astros. He was like, oh, man. You'd think that the way fans were reacting that we would have gone out in the first round. Hey, we made a pretty good run at it. I don't love living in championship robust world. Yeah. yeah. I don't, I'm not sure how what the Yankees did last year was very different from losing in the first round. They won a five game first round with an undermanned team that they should have swept and then got swept by their chief rival in the second round. They didn't win a game against the Houston Astros in the rematch we were all waiting for. You don't understand why we didn't like that? I understand you don't want to hear the reaction from fans, but do you really not understand why we didn't take kindly to the way 2022 wrapped, not knowing whether Aaron Judge was coming back or not, watching Judge strike out over and over again in that crucial playoff series, watching our chief rivals take the advantage at every turn. And by the way, Brian Cashman, it wasn't just about 2022. We were angry because the Astros, our top rival, beat us at the end of last season. The Red Sox beat us in the wildcard game in 2021. The Rays knocked us out of the DS in 2020. The Astros did it again in 2019 in horrific six-game fashion. The Red Sox did it in 2018. And the Astros started this rivalry in 2017. So since the first playoff year of the Baby Bombers, the Yankees have been knocked out by the most painful possible team in every postseason appearance they've made. Add in the uncertainty with Judge, and this whole thing has been getting really old. So I'm sorry we didn't celebrate beating the Guardians in five games as much as you wanted us to. They wouldn't even let us in the building to celebrate beating the Guardians in five games. There was a rainout, and you didn't tell anybody that it was going to be a rainout. So a bunch of fans showed up, and then they sat there for three hours, and then you kicked them out of the stadium, and then you scheduled the game for, I believe, 4 a.m. the next day, and a bunch <laughs> of people couldn't uh, get back in the building. So uh, that's on you, too, that we didn't celebrate the end of the Guardian series as much as you might have wanted. But if you really don't understand the difference between – Falling short in the ALCS and what we've been through in the last five years in the postseason, then uh, I hope you turn the keys over to Brian Sabian. Man, I can't take much more of this shit. Yeah, it's this is the stuff where we just wish certain Yankees executives wouldn't weigh in on. Because, again, shows that you don't have your finger on the pulse, that you don't understand. Yes, it's frustrating that we live in a world where if the Yankees don't win the World Series, the season's a failure. But guess what? The players on any team view that as the reality. If players are not winning championships, they are not viewing that season as achieving the ultimate goal. That's what you play the game for. Um, it's a little bit different in Yankee land because of the dynasty, because of the rich history. Um, and the Yankees not having won since 2009 feels like another franchise not having won since, you know, 1960. Um, but 
to say that, hey, we were supposed, Cashman essentially with these comments said, hey, we were, we were supposed to be one of the final four teams left and we did that. So like, it wasn't that bad. Um, it kind of was that bad though, because you got swept by the Astros. They beat you on your home field in four games. And not only did um, the Yankees squander an opportunity to steal game one, the Astros time and time again took every opportunity that they possibly had to go up ahead on the Yankees or to get the, get the upper hand or to shift the momentum in their direction. And then the Yankees, of course, like we have analysts talking about, Hey, you know, the Yankees didn't have DJ LeMahieu. Well, guess what? The Astros lost Carlos Correa. Jeremy Pena slots in as the new world series MVP, ALCS MVP. The Astros lost Michael Brantley. He played 64 games last year. That's one of the best contact hitters in the league. That's one of the most important hitters in their entire lineup. This team got eight regular season starts from Lance McCullers, and then he came back for the postseason, and he was ready to go. And he got the job done, and he pitched as he was he, as he was projected to do so, and he actually probably exceeded expectations at that point. Got his, got his ass kicked in the World Series, though. That was fun. Yeah. But guess what? What are you going to do? He man- he managed to get the job done against the Yankees. He pitched through that. That was game four, right? Or was that that was game four when yeah. he was pitching? They gave up those runs early, didn't give up, ended up giving them six innings or whatever it was. And, and that ended up being the difference. The Yankees couldn't chase him out of the game. He didn't let the Yankees chase him out of the game. And that ended up being being the difference, um, obviously, with, you know, a, a number of other issues. But um, their trade deadline certainly did not upend the clubhouse they acquired a couple guys and and it helped that christian vasquez helped them trey mancini helped them in some capacity um they i think they acquired another pitcher too somewhere in this mix that ended up seamlessly fitting in um but it's frustrating to watch that stuff happen too right the astros who just seamlessly toss another GM into the mix after their entire front office gets upended because of the cheating scandal. And then this guy is making moves to supplement a world series favorite and having the foresight to say, Oh, you know what? Great. Um, great. Mr. Crane, you don't want to pay Carlos Correa. Okay. We'll give Jeremy Pena a chance for the entire year and we'll see what happens. Obviously I know that's not fully up to the GM, um, but he oversaw that when it happened. Um, the decision to, you know, let Chaz McCormick get everyday reps. That's obvi- That's very apparently uh, paid dividends for them in a multitude of ways. Um, so that's another part of it. It's the, it's the front office and, and ownership making the right decisions and the Yankees making decisions that kind of shoot themselves in the foot. And you want to talk from a managerial perspective Yankees didn't decide to go for the jugular in game one of that series. The Yankees shot themselves in the foot twice in the ALDS against the Guardians. They could have gotten to the ALCS faster. They could have changed the entire complexion of the ALCS and said they wanted to save their bullets and rest up to get swept in four games. And I I don't know why that was the plan or that's why it seemed like that was the plan. Um, But yeah, getting to be one of the final four teams and then getting your ass absolutely handed to you clearly shows that there's a gap and clearly shows that, hey, guess what? Maybe the Guardians should have been there if that's what your analysis is going to be. Maybe the Guardians taking you to the brink and you needing your ace on the mound for the second time in that series to pitch game five and you needing a first-inning three-run homer in order to survive what's to come, maybe maybe you should not have been in the ALCS. Maybe it should have been the Guardians, and maybe they would have put up a better fight against the Astros. I don't know. Why? Why did we bother to beat the Guardians in that case? I don't. I don't get it. I don't get it. What was the point? I would have enjoyed a Guardians Astros ALCS. <laughs> no rooting interest. I mean, rooting interest, obviously, but I'm not stressed every day. I'm not counting down the minutes till Luis Severino gets owned by Alex Bregman into the cheap seats in left field. I'm not second guess. I'm not tweeting about the wind. I'm not doing any of that. I wish I had that week of my life back in mid October when the Yankees were in the ALCS getting roasted. I wish we had, in fact, not won a series so that Brian Cashman could understand the frustration. Would he understand if we got knocked out in the first round? You got to wonder. I don't know. I guess you do have to wonder. But, at that, again, at, the, at that point, if the expectation is – I think the problem is that the expectation was like, hey, we didn't do that bad, so don't worry. Or, hey, we were worse the year before and we technically got better. Or, hey, we were exactly where we were – 
three years ago in 2019. Isn't that good enough for you? Um, it's the yeah, Giants it, versus the Yankees, though. Like, the expectations are so obviously different, Brian Cashman. Yeah. You have to know that. Like, the, the New York Giants, in the first year of a new regime, won a playoff game and then got absolutely smacked by their chief rival, the Eagles, in Philadelphia. Frustrating. Didn't love watching that. But everybody knows that this bad team has a better foundation now than they did a year ago. Everybody knows that this isn't the roster the coaching staff wanted and the GM wanted. Everybody knows this was an accident in year one that ended with a higher ceiling than they ever could have imagined. The Yankees did the same thing. They had the worst possible playoff loss at the end of a pretty inspiring regular season, but the Yankees aren't building on anything. They won 100 games in 2018 and 19. They couldn't even get there after starting off, what, 54 and 18 this year or whatever. They were on a 120-win pace, and they ended with 99 wins because August and September – there was a dead cat bounce in the early part of September. They beat the Rays a couple times at home around September 10th, I believe that series ended. And it's like, okay, great. That was nice, but awful second half of July, awful August and pretty bleak September. Aaron Hicks dropping a fly ball in fair territory. And they end up finishing with 99 wins in a season where 112, 113 was not out of the question. That's pretty, that's pretty fucking bad. Yeah. Um, the, the manner in which the season turned, has to play a role here. The man, I mean, and then you throw in King's comments. King clearly said the deadline affected it. So whether that is, whether that's true or not, the players felt that way. Um, and you played a d- direct hand in, in making that happen. You go back to the Luis Severino decision, another decision you made that probably, again, whether it was right or not, he wasn't consulted properly. The decision was made. It created bad headlines. It created resentful, you know, it created resentment. Um, and that all plays a role. It all plays a role. You have judges impending free agency where you kind of lowball them in the beginning of the season. Um, uh, again, I'll go, we'll go on the record again. We thought it was a fair deal, but obviously judge wanted more. And if you clearly value judge, you maybe would have upped the offer to have avoided it to get to that point. Um, there was probably something else in here that we're missing because it never ends. Oh, you have IKF at shortstop the entire year of the organization telling us that he's actually really good at defense and that the metrics, the secret metrics that they have in their secret binder are the ones that they know about. And Hey, don't, don't you worry. You're watching him make errors. You're looking at the, you're looking at the counting stats from 2022. Don't you dare. We have stats that you've never even heard of. And we can assure you that he's, he's better than you think he is. Um, you have the Aaron Hicks situation that reached ahead and uh, or that, 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 that reached the boiling point. And it should have never even gotten there. He should have not been playing consistent reps for a while. Um, but they, they refused to do that. Um, so you have not bringing up Oswald Peraza early enough when there was an obvious time to do it. Oswaldo Cabrera, you could say the same thing. He ended up being hit. Two of those guys ended up you know, providing sparks in, in one way or another for the final six weeks of the season in a, in, in a way that you would have never even imagined. So yeah, I think that there's a lot of reason to be frustrated because it's once again, it seems like, yes, you could blame the players because the players are on the field trying to get the job done. But I think a lot of the management decisions, a lot of the front office decisions, potentially even some of the ownership decisions played a role in creating unnecessary obstacles, which eventually got us to the point where you get swept in the ALCS. Cause that's an organizational thing. It's not a players on the field thing. It can't fully be blamed on one party or another. Nope. No, it can't. Brian, you brought in help to help you. You brought in Brian Sabian and Omar Manaya to help you. You didn't bring Omar Manaya to be a yes man to say, yeah, yeah, no fans are mean. Fans are too mean to you. Uh, so hopefully you learn a little something from those baseball minds. What else we got? Tom Brady posing in his underwear today. You want to talk that? about that? I don't. I don't really want to talk about it. But he uh, his like first foray into retirement life was hiring a Photoshop guy to put him in a hotel room in Cancun and and like brush at, airbrush out his dong. And uh, it's not even like it's not even like an underwear commercial. It feels like when somebody goes public with an inside joke, and then the rest of the world is like, wait, what? Like he, the caption was like, did I do this right at Julian Edelman? And it's like, is that something you guys just talk about? Like, am I supposed to, am I supposed to know that you guys like send underwear picks back and forth? I, I don't know what this means. 
And was this even for me? Like, did you think this was a DM? Am I supposed to be seeing this? Uh, I, I found it wildly uncomfortable. I didn't enjoy it. And he also announced he's not starting his broadcasting career until like fall. Two years from now? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Greg Olson, congrats. You have exactly one more year to live your dream, and then you have to give it up to Tom Brady. <laughs> What else? Nets falling apart. Kyrie traded. Kevin Durant's oh, yeah. probably going soon. Oh, yeah. I, I want to say goodbye to the anti-Semite that lived down the block for me for three years. <laughs> um, best of luck in Dallas, where uh, your your takes aren't even going to be viewed as that extreme. People are going to be like, oh, that's all he has to say about these? <laughs> oh. Very cool. Very cool. Actually, weirdly welcoming. Uh, yeah, no. Kyrie Irving is... I did like the option where they just bench him and then he doesn't get traded and then he just sits out for the rest of the season. That would have been great. Better without him with KD without him. They're better Uh, with him and KD. They're great with just him. They're pretty bleak. Mm -hmm. Uh, They're a no defensive. I mean, he's a shot making God, but he can only do so much. Uh, He only chooses to do so much. Now the rumors are that Kevin Durant's going to go to Boston. And I, that's what Stephen A. Smith is saying. I don't believe that. Um, Although if you're the Nets, I guess you have to blow it up at this point. And the Kyrie return was uh, not substantial. So who knows? Yeah. Uh, yeah. The Nets, dude. Uh, remember remember Harden was there? Remember it was supposed to be Kyrie, Harden, and Durant? And uh, yeah. that, gave us, that gave us nothing. Um, and now the entire operation is about to be torn down. Um, Eagles fans, Philly fans in general, thinking they can invade MSG and get away with it. You can't. You can't beat the Knicks. It's not going to happen. Um, Even though I think they're like 10-0 and 0 before. Oh, yeah. No, they kicked the Knicks ass. All they do is beat the Knicks. But last yeah. night, uh, you deployed your uh, E-A-G-L-E-S Eagles chance a little early. Uh, the, the NBA is a game of runs. And uh, you can't doubt the Knicks on the second game of a back-to-back after blowing a game at the buzzer to the Clippers at home on a Nicholas Batum three. That's the number one rule of NBA gambling. You all should know that by now. Uh, no. Last night was like the most improbable Knicks win in like, five years but still uh yeah maybe you don't plan a full stadium chant takeover uh midway through the first quarter when uh 20 point lead is we've seen the Knicks blow 20 point leads in the fourth this year so 20 point lead in the first was this child's play yeah um yeah i think we'll get into our super bowl talk next week right oh i think we should do oh, a we'll do a big old super bowl oh, i'm sorry not next week on thursday, thursday. next week Which next week the super bowl will be over folks and then the we'll, best uh... part about thursday is it's famously the, this week <laughs> part of the same week yeah, we'll we'll save that for you on Thursday because we got to talk about NFL rigged. We got to talk about the scripts. Script. Um, this is fun. This is fun content. Did you take a look at the script? By the way, I saw some of the script. It's I got a peek at it. Yeah, my agent said I can't say anything. So mm-hmm. we'll talk about it on Thursday. We'll, yeah. we'll go into detail on the script. Um, and yeah, I think that's it. I think that's I think it. That's and it I, for us. I think this is the place to be on Thursday, two yeah. o'clock Eastern. Uh, we're going to be talking Super Bowl uh, props, business, um, all that fun stuff. And, and also probably Yankees baseball, if anybody wants to make any moves or do anything. I'm still putting my chips. I think Rafael Ortega probably plus 260 to be the opening day left fielder. Nice. I'll put my money there. That's where my money is. Uh, you can find us live on YouTube, 2 o'clock Eastern, every Monday and Thursday, all offseason long. Probably more times during the regular season. But otherwise, if you miss the feed, if you watch the feed and you're getting to the end of the feed, anything to do with the feed, and you want to hear more, you want to hear it for the first time, find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. Truly, wherever you get your podcast, that's where we will be. Uh, and you can uh, please subscribe. Subscribe to the YouTube feed. Mm-hmm. Subscribe to, uh, I don't know, freaking anything subscribe to uh us on youtube us on every podcast platform uh you can't miss us if you have a podcast platform until next time i'm adam weinrib you can find me on twitter at adam weinrib thomas carinante where can the people find you although but don't find me i i don't want to be on twitter anymore <laughs> i'm at tommy's underscore takes uh, you can subscribe to us on twitter at yanks go yard fs um but just don't get too mad don't get too mad at the tweets they're not even that bad um we're just trying to have fun uh, head on over to yanksgoyard.com. Plenty of content there for you. We're cooking some things up. Uh, we got a long, long list for tomorrow for you. Going down going down a memory lane for some Yankees contracts. Be there in the morning. Uh, get your coffee ready. Have some fun. Um, and until then, we'll see you on Thursday. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for reading. And uh, we'll talk to you then. Talk to you then, folks. Goodbye. 
You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.